0: Thank you, Greg, and those that serve with him and lead us in worship. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm going down the road, and whether it's The House or Air One or Caleb, and some of these songs will come on there that I enjoy, that I enjoy singing to, and that uh, boy in the truck, I don't mind just belting out, because I am a phenomenal singer in the truck. And uh, But then we get, like in church... My voice doesn't sound the same. I don't know if that's ever happened to you or not, but like this, you know, the song that Haley led us in. Um, I- It just doesn't sound the same. And I don't know if it's the acoustics in here. I'm not sure if that's the situation or that's the problem. But uh, it's just one of those things that it's good when you get to listen to it on the radio. And you sing with it on the radio. And uh, you just get to worship as you're driving down the road by yourself. And then get a chance to do it in here. And that is a a blessing that we have that I hopefully that you uh, understand and appreciate from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. So thank you, young men, for helping take up our offering. I hope you have a Bible with you this morning. And we're going to be in Joshua chapter 4. So hopefully you can make your way there to Joshua chapter 4. When you came in, hopefully you got a copy of this bulletin. Um, It seems like for the last several weeks we keep printing more and more of these. And you keep using these. I don't know if you're selling them on eBay or if you're using them um, for wallpaper in your house. But I appreciate you taking them. But uh, on the back of that, there'll be some notes if you want to use those during our time together in the Word. But Joshua chapter 4 is where we're going to be. We've been walking through um, this book of Joshua. talking about looking at what it means to be Successful. There's a lot of things in this world that says that success is X. Uh, Fill in the blank, if you will. That if you want to be successful, this is what you have to do. It's a matter of money, or it's a matter of possessions, or it's a matter of academics, or it's a matter of prestige, or fame, or how many people you have following you on social media, or success has all these different metrics. We just had the men's retreat yesterday. And I don't care how many men showed up, but of course, you're always going to have the question, well, how many How many attended? I, one, and that was enough. One was enough. And, you know, you sat there and you wonder, well, how was the speakers? Were the speakers any good? You know that last guy yesterday, Jonathan Evans? He's Tony Evans' the son. I think his sister or some relation spoke at the ladies' retreat. I mean, that old boy, he just, he was, he was worth the entire day trip right there. I mean, he, he, he was worth everything. And, and, and some of you guys that played hooky yesterday, I'm just going to tell you, they have put it up on YouTube. The entire men's conference is on YouTube. Now, it's unlisted, so you're not going to be able to Google it and search it. But if you let me know um, for a small tithe or a gift offering to the church, <laughs> I will I will share with you. The, it's to the church. It's to the church. You know, we're, 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 we're doing things around here. So, it's one of those things. I'm only joking partially. So, But it's one of those things that if you let me know, I'll get you the link, and then you can sit there and you can watch it all. And I'll even tell you the minute mark when Jonathan Evan gets up, I'd start with that because that'll just keep you pumped up for the rest of the day. But, you know, we had that yesterday. We had the ladies retreat, and when people gather together, of course, they start looking around, and they start wondering, well, who's here, who isn't here? And people start forming these ideas of what it means to be successful and what it means to be not successful. And if we're not careful, we get stuck in this warp That the world puts us in this idea that we measure our success by the metrics of the world instead of the metrics of God. So we've been walking through the book of Joshua asking ourselves the question, what does God call success? And how is it that we live a successful Christian life both on the individual level and on the corporate level? How it is that we as a church look to the God-given success and model our lives and the life of the church after God's model of success rather than our model of success. Well, in Joshua, you know the story as well as I do. The whole book, the primary, the, the whole book is about how the people move from the wilderness and take possession of the promised land. And it's a story about how Joshua leads the people in success. They were wandering around, lost in the wilderness, if you will, and they come in to the promised land. And so we are right in the midst of them making their grand entrance in to the promised land. So last week when we left off, The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant had walked down into the water of the Jordan River, which the Bible tells us was overflowing its banks. Water was everywhere. The priest walked down carrying the Ark of the Covenant representing the presence of God. And as they walked down into the river, the water just stops. It says it stood up in a heap and the priest walked down. It tells us on dry ground. They walked down so it wasn't just like the water stopped. It's like everything just supernaturally changed. The men walked down standing in the middle of the Jordan River. Some scholars would say at the point where they were crossing, it could be anywhere from 75 to 150 foot wide, somewhere in between 10 to 30 foot deep is the size of this riverbed. And the priest walked down, and they stop in the middle of the, the riverbed. The, the water is stood up in a heap 15, 20 miles away. The water going downstream has just dried up and stopped. And so when we left off last week, these men are just standing there, Ready for the people to cross. So every single week, I've been pointing you to different keys to success. We've talked about God's word, we've talked about listening, we've talked about action, we've talked about obedience, and we've even talked about commitment. This morning, I want to talk to you about remembrance remembrance. I'm going to start off there in Joshua chapter 4. I'm going to read the entire chapter here in Joshua chapter 4, 24 verses if you will, and then we're going to back up and I'm just going to walk you through what I I glean out of this is some things that God wants us to remember that are still true about Him. So in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 1, this is what the Word of God says. When all the nation had passed when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from, every, from the very place where the priests' feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodged tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up the twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. Just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and then laid them there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priest bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord, and the priests passed over before the people, the sons of Reuben, and the sons of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel. And as Moses had told them, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him. just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. Verse 15. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant and the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed its banks as before. The people. "...came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean?" Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That you may fear the Lord your God forever. I pray that God adds understanding and application to his word this morning. This whole passage, and I realize it's a chapter and I realize that's not my normal habit or our normal habit to go through an entire chapter on a single Sunday morning, but the entire chapter is pretty much one scene. It's the the people crossing over the Jordan and as they're crossing over the Jordan, God instructs Joshua who then instructs the people that as they're crossing over, God wants them to do something. He tells them, instructs them, take the 12 stones. He talks about putting it on their shoulders so we can assume or infer that it's not just a couple of pebbles that he's going to skip across the lake water. He gets 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel and he says, carry them. And when you stop at Gilgal, you're going to form these stones up as a monument, as a means of remembrance. Why? Because God knew that the people were prone to forget you ever forgotten anything in your daily life? Oh, there's things that we forget all the time. But I wonder how many in this room are familiar with the term hyperthysmesia. And I might be mispronouncing. pronouncing even the dictionary app on my phone didn't even know this word. hyperthymesia. It's a condition that according to medical experts, only 55 individuals in the U.S. have ever been diagnosed with. And what it is described as, this is another word for it, a highly superior autobiographical memory. In other words, they say that these people spend an excessive amount of time thinking about their past and display extraordinary ability to recall specific events. Several years ago, National Public Radio did an interview with several of these individuals. One of these individuals was Alexandre Wolf, and she said in this interview that she remembers every detail of every mundane task. She can think back to 10 years ago, driving to Target, which way she drove, what groceries she got, what she was wearing, on and on and on and on. Another man talked about that his memory, his hyperthysmesia is so great that he remembers all all the wrongs done against him. All the wrongs that he have committed. Every episode of TV he's ever watched. And he has such a memory that all these things are still there. Now NPR says there's only 55 people that have ever been diagnosed with this. But if you've been married for very long, you know that your wife has a hinge of this. Yeah. Every time you do something wrong, <laughs> amen wrong. I mean it's one of those things that uh, sometimes it has a way of e- e- e creeping itself back in. But it's this condition that they said these individuals can remember everything and hardly ever forget a thing. But God knows and God knew that we aren't one of those 55 people. So as these people are crossing the Jordan River, God calls them to do something in order to remember. He calls them to remembrance because he knows that as they go into the promised land and they begin to conquer the promised land and they begin to take the possession of the promised land, he knows that they need to remember what God has done for them. So here in this passage, here in this chapter, I want to point you back to three things that I think that God is calling them to remember and that I believe you and I still today Need, must gotta to, gotta to, gotta to remember in order to find success. And the first one is this that remember that God directs. Remember that God directs. If you go, if you let your eyes go back up to chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, When all the nation was passing over the Lord, the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua. You get down to verse 15, and the same thing, the Lord said to Joshua to Joshua. God was telling the people what he wanted them to do. He told them how they could cross the Jordan and he told them how they would cross the Jordan. He was very clear to say, I am giving you directions. This is how you follow me. In other words, God has given us his word and his word is meant to be a means of instructions, a means of direction. God has told us what he wants us to do, you've heard the old adage, what Bible stands for, basic instructions before leaving earth. But it's this idea that he reminds you and I that this is his direction for us. And so the same thing there in Joshua's time, the people's time, maybe remember that God is still giving them directions. God had told them how they would cross. God had told them that they would cross. God even told them what to do after they crossed. And I want to remind you brothers and sisters here this morning that God is still directing us. So it's not a matter of you and I coming together and say what do you feel like? What do you think? Let's form a group together and let's make a decision. Let's look at the popular opinions. Let's look at what everybody else is doing. Let's look over the fence and see what uh, the guy next door. Let's see what the church next door. Look at the newest methodology. Let's just say, what do you want us to do? And when they piled these stones up and they put these stones there at Gilgal, it's a reminder that God directed them. They didn't put those stones up there because they had a grand idea. It wasn't because they were trying to uh, uh, till the field and this was in the way. It was because God said, I want you to get the 12 stones. I want you to pull them out of the riverbed. These aren't going to be 12 stones that you're just going to find in the field. You're not going to find in the in the fence row. You're not going to find these in the roadway. These are 12 stones taken out of the river that you're going to put there because that's going to be a reminder that God has given you direction the same way every morning i think it should be in the mornings it's my personal opinion but in the morning you get up you get your cup of coffee you get your cup of hot tea you get your bottle of water you get whatever it is that you do to help wake you up and you sit down and you open god's word well, how many mornings every morning why because i am coming to god saying god I want to hear your instructions and your direction for my life before I listen to anyone else's instructions or directions for life. And I think it's imperative. I think it's imperative for us to grow healthy. You're going to say, well, I don't need to do that. You're being legalistic. I'm going to tell you every day, you eat. Well, that's being legalistic. Why do you eat every day? Because I'm hungry. Because I have to do it to live. I have to do it to survive. That's why you study God's Word so you stay healthy spiritually so you grow spiritually so you thrive spiritually so God has given us instruction and God says I am not through giving you direction and church we need to remember that when it comes to the success or the failures of this church part of it is because we fail to remember what God has told us to do and God is still directing us I wonder if he's directing you I wonder if you're playing off of His schedule. I wonder if you're following His plan. Or I wonder if you're living a life that is focused on you and where you want to go and what you want to do. Remember that God still directs. But there's a second remembrance that I think God has in mind when He tells the people to gather the stones, to pile the stones, to remember the stones. There's a second reason that He has and that is that God acts and I want to encourage you this morning not just remember that God directs but I want to encourage you to remember that God acts excuse me that God acts. You look there in verse 5 and notice what it says. It says in the Joshua said, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. Then you get down to verse 14. It says on that day the Lord exalted Joshua. What is going on here? God is working through the people. God is still acting. Just think about this scenery if you will. God created the moment. He created the river. He created created the people he created the rocks he created the riverbed he created the water he created the air he created the promised land he created the wilderness god created everything and in that creation god then also provided the opportunity he put them there at a specific place and at a specific time for a specific purpose knowing that they would have the opportunity to see god act. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life I've been too impatient to wait on God. God, I need something and God says, wait. And I'm like, I ain't waiting. (laughs) I'll figure it out on my own. I'll figure out my own way. I'll do it my own way. I can do it under my own power. I can handle it. When God is sitting there going, hey don't, remi- don't, don't forget, I am still in the acting business. God knew what they needed. God knew they needed to get across. God knew that they needed to have safe passage from the wilderness into the promised land. God knew that they needed to get their women and their children and their livestock and their possessions. He knew that they needed to get across. He knew they needed to get into the promised land. He knew what they needed and God was ready to act on their behalf. But what he needed was he needed some people willing to wait on God to act. So he comes to him and he says, when I do this, I want you to have a very specific way of understanding and remembering what I'm doing. So you're going to take these 12 stones and you're going to put these 12 stones over there and you're going to pile up in a monument. And every time you look at that monument, you're going to remember that that monument's not there because of your pumps that were able to drain the river. That it monument is not there because the boats and the engineering you had to ford the river that monument is not there because of your engineering prowess to be able to build a bridge to get over the river that monument is not there because you developed airplanes and some type of aerial device to launch you over the river that monument is there because God acted on your behalf how many of those stories do we have well I don't have very many of them stories preacher yeah, you do. You woke up this morning. You got to church this morning. You know how many crazy people there are driving on the roads these days? You just drive down the road and you count, start counting every single person. That as they're driving down the road, and we're going to pretend this is a one. As they're driving down the road, they're doing this. can't, I I just don't understand. They said, I read an article just this last week about two guys that were injured, maybe even killed in an automobile accident, and they're in a Tesla vehicle, and they claim that no one was in the driver's seat as one of those self-driving vehicles. I'm like, oh, 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 what a dangerous thing it is. I would rather be in a Tesla with the computer driving than with some of these people with their phone driving. But God is still acting. God is still acting while you're half. He brought you here. You're of sound mind. You're of health. He has given you all of these things. God is calling the people there of Israel. He says, I want you to remember that I am acting, that I have acted, and that there is still something that I can do. It's Memorial Day of 2019. Never been there, but Dolores, Colorado. Highway 145 that very close to where you? Stomping Grounds area? Maybe? No? Okay? No? Memorial Day, there was a rock slide. A rock, a boulder the size of a small house. Eight and a half million pounds is what it was estimated to weigh. That's that's not just a small house. <laughs> That's a large house. But this rock boulder in this rock slide came down, struck the interstate 145 highway, blocking off half of the roadway because it lodged itself in the roadway. So the governor at the time back in 2019, uh, Jared Paulus, I may be pronouncing his wrong incorrectly, uh, his name incorrectly, but he there started to say, what are we going to do about it? So they decided that instead of removing the boulder because of the amount of money it would take to dynamite it and remove the boulder, they were just going to build the road around it it. So they estimated that it was going to cost about $1.3 million to rebuild the roadway, to rebuild the guardrail structure, and they're going to go around it because they figured that was about $300,000 cheaper than trying to remove the rock altogether. So if you go there, even today, they say even today there on Highway 145 outside of Dolores, Colorado, you will see what they refer to as Memorial Rock. Sitting there. As a testimony To God's abilities and man's inabilities. And yet we think about our daily lives. How many times do we take what God does and we excuse it away? See, unfortunately, humanity is always looking for ways to explain the spiritual. Science always comes up with ways to try to explain, well, this is what happened. Well, this is how it took place. Evolution has tried to do that. They've tried to explain the creation of God. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I believe in a young earth evolution. I believe God created it all in six days. I create. I believe that God created a, a mature earth. I believe it because the Bible says it. It's not something that happened over thousands and millions and millions of years. It's not one of those things that I can take a watch, break it down in all of its components, and shake the bag with the watch components in there for a thousand years, and all of a sudden a watch comes out that doesn't work when you see a, something that has been created you know that something created it just this last week I heard a preacher talk and he said there were two main truths that you need to remember in this world and, that, and they are there is a God and you're not him and I thought that's that I can, I, can, I, I can talk about that one I, I can put I can understand that one but we so many times we tried to excuse the things away that God is doing can you just imagine the idea of all of us being in one room together So many different personalities. So many different backgrounds. So many different opinions. This fall come Bedlam, there are going to be a different ideas. Some safe, some lost. We're all going to love each other. What brings us all together? It's not because we're all doing community service. not because we all got lost. It's because God has brought us together. Because of the action of God. And so God is telling these people there in Israel, he's telling these Jewish people, I want you to set these stones up because I want you to remember, I want you to remember that I'm a God that gives direction and I'm a God of action. And then you get down there to verse 6, verse 7, and in 21 through 24, we see this third way that God wants us to remember and that is to remember that God Reigns. To remember that God reigns. If you go look back up there in chapter four and verse six, it says that this may be a sign among you when your children ask the time and come. What do those stones mean to you? Notice the way it's written in the language. It's not what do those stones mean or explain to us what's written on those stones. It's the children look at the parents. I even underlined this in my Bible because the children look at the parents and say, "What do these stones mean to you, children? You're." Parents, your children are looking at you wanting to know what do you believe about God. It's not the Sunday school's teacher job to show your kids how to fear the Lord. It's not the preacher's job to show your kids how to fear the Lord. It is your job to show your kids how to fear the Lord. Because your kids are looking at the parents and going, what do you believe about God? They're looking at grandparents saying, what do you believe about God? They're looking at those that have come before them wanting to know, what do you believe about God? And so he says, when those, when when they ask you, what do those stones mean to you? Verse 7, then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off, before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Then you skip down to verse 21, and it's the same thing. What do these stones mean there in verse 21? And he says in verse 22, then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on Dry ground. And then you get down to verse 24 and he says, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I want to uh, plead with you. We quickly forget the faithfulness of God. We in our humanity, we in our sinfulness, we in our flesh, we quickly forget the faithfulness of God. And we are teaching the next generation How to live. I understand they're looking at screens. I understand they're looking at social media. I understand they're looking at their peers. But we, we as the adults, we as the parents, the grandparents, the uncles, the aunts, we as the people of God, we not only quickly forget the faithfulness of God, but we are teaching the next generation how to live. And we're also teaching them how to worship. I understand what Greg was saying. You're sitting at some tables and some chairs in here and it's on the screen and it doesn't matter how loud we make it, it's not loud enough. You ladies have the same thing. You're sitting here and you're worried about if there's a glitch in the live stream and all of a sudden the live stream goes dead and all of a sudden you're singing and all of a sudden you're singing by yourself and then that makes you feel awkward. He's like, I'm not going to sing that loud. But I'm going to do it slow enough that if something happens I can, I can shut down real fast and I know that's awkward. But how many young men and women the last two Saturdays were watching the adults? And I'm not saying everything hinges on one day. I'm just saying that these young people sitting in this room this morning are watching us worship. And they're watching how we worship. And they're watching the way we worship. And they're watching what we worship. God wants to remind everyone. He says that there in verse 24. So that all the peoples of the earth. He wants all the people of the earth to know that God reigns. He says so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That you may fear the Lord your God forever. I want to remind you this morning. The fear of God is taught. There is some fear that is, I believe, instinctive. Uh, David was talking about this morning in Sunday school about some fears being instinctive. I think the fear of snakes is, should be uh, is instinctive. And if you don't have that, you've, you've got a genetic deficiency because that's just not the way it's supposed to happen, okay? So, the idea that some of these fears are instinctive. And that some of these fears are taught. I don't think it's instinctive to know to not touch a hot stove. The way you learn not touch a hot stove and have a fear of the hot stove is you touch the hot stove. <laughs> You put your hand in a mousetrap and it goes pamp and you think, "I'm, I'm scared of that thing. I'm not doing that anymore. The fear of God is taught. But in order for us to teach someone how to fear God, that means we have to fear God. That means we have to practice the fear of God. It means that we need to example. be an example of the fear of God. It means that we need to show the fear of God. And we have too many people in the world today, and I'm not talking about the lost people, I'm talking about the saved people. We have too many professing believers of Christ today that live with no fear of God. You may say, well, how can you make such a statement? Because I see what they do with their time. I see what they do with their money. I see what they do with their, their example. I see what they're doing with their fruits. I see what they're doing with their lives. I see what they're doing with their priorities. I see... What they're doing with the things that God has given them. And they're not fearful. They're not woe is us. Their woe is the world. Woe is the things in this world. Woe is the promises of this world. And God is telling these people here in Joshua chapter 4, He said, I want you to get these stones. I want you to bring these stones up out of the riverbed. I want you to stack them up here at Giga because I want you to know for generations to come, for days and weeks and months and years to come, I want you to be able to look back and when you see that, I want you to you to remember I want you to remember that God is still in the directing business that God is still in the acting business and no matter what happens no wonder what person becomes president no matter what happens on the government scale no matter what happens in the political scale God still reigns and some of us unfortunately have forgotten that we think of virus reigns we think a vaccine reigns we think a political face reigns think paper money reigns. We think we reign. We think a relationship reigns. We think our children reign. We think a job reigns. We think a possession reigns. And all those things are created by God. And point us to the fact that there is a God. And none of that and none of us are Him. So how do we remember these things to be successful. I'll put three things there and there at the bottom of your notes. Three application points, if you will. And the first one is this. I want to remind you this morning that all directions are not the same. All directions are not the same. I could give you the recipe for an apple cobbler and I could give you a recipe for rat poison. They are not the same thing. They will have different effects. And just because we find a recipe, just because we find a set of directions, just because someone else is doing something else doesn't mean that that is the way that God wants us to go. You can find a lot of heretical garbage books at a Christian bookstore. You can find a lot of Bible professing Bible teachers or preachers on television that will not point you to the truth of God's Word. You will find a lot of people, a lot of voices, a lot of individuals trying to sway influence in this culture, telling you a lot of different things about God that aren't true or are not found in His Word. I'm just going to tell you straight up, if someone tells you something that is in contradiction to God's Word, run, get away from them. That means you have to know God's Word. That means you got to know what God's Word says and what it doesn't say. That way you got to know when somebody says, well, this is the way God works, you can look at Him and go, no, it doesn't. Because not all directions are the same. But I want to assure you of a second thing, that is God is still at work. God is still at work. David mentioned this morning about when Jesus is coming back, when the second coming of Christ is Happening. And oh, there's lots of people. Oh, there's so many people in this world that try to say, oh, we're in the last days. We've been in the last days since Christ ascended. I know one preacher, he says, I believe God's coming back, or Christ is coming back in my lifetime. I just believe it. And that's great. I hope he does, because you're like 20 years my senior. I hope he does. I think that'd be wonderful. I think it'd be great, but the fact is, no one knows. Nobody knows when Christ is returning. And David was making that point that we have a lot of ideas, we have a lot of conjectures, nobody knows. But we do know, and Jonathan uh, uh, Evans was talking about this yesterday. We do know that when he does come back, we're all going to give an answer. Because God is still at work. Which means that God doesn't have to be done with First Baptist Church, Wellston. You hear people sit back and they'll talk about the good old days what would it be like if the good old days were still ahead of us what would that be like what would it be like that you get to be in on the ground floor of the good old days 75 years from now your great your grandchildren your great grandchildren are going back saying i miss the good old days i miss them old days and you and i get to say we were there used by God, we are faithful to God, we are obedient to God, and we saw God work. We saw God act, and we were the tools in God's hand to reach a community, to reach a lost and dying generation, to reach a generation that is moving away from God, that has nothing to do with God, to reach the darkness, to reach in the darkness, and chase darkness with the light of God's word. Can you imagine if you and I look back at this and say, God isn't done yet. And this last one. I want to plead with you this morning when we think about what God is doing here in the lives of these Jewish people. He's got the twelve rocks. He's got them stacked up. He's got them stacked up so they'll remember. He's got them stacked up so they'll remember and it'll be a testimony not just to the nation of Israel but also to all the people in the earth. <coughs> he says that the, Larry, the, the very last of verse 24, he says that you may know the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I plead with you this morning. Live for fear more than fear. Fame. Live for fear more than fame. There are too many of us in this world today that are living for fame. We were sitting in Walmart just Friday night, and we were getting some groceries from the men's uh, men's retreat yesterday. And we were walking down one of the aisles, and I've got uh, jaylene's with me, and the boys are with me, and we're walking down the aisle, and these two young ladies—they're about—they look like about Kirby's age. It wasn't Kirby, but it looked like about Kirby's age, and they're walking down, and both of them have a phone. And both of them have no idea we're even standing there. And they're walking down the phone, and one of this girl goes, I don't know where that came from, sticking your tongue out for a selfie. I think it's silly. I don't get it. I don't know. This looks attractive. I don't know how that works, okay? But one of the girls, I mean, she's as she's walking down the aisle, she's, and she takes the selfie, and I'm like, what do you... And then the other one's right behind her and makes another, makes another face and she's taking a selfie as well. And I know what they're doing. They're taking pictures. They're posting it. They're snapping it. They're tweeting it. They're, 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 they're tick ing it. I don't know what all they're doing, but they're sending it out. They're saying, hey, people give me attention. People look at me. People talk to me. I want to have notoriety. I want to have fame. I want to have people that pay attention to me. They're starving for attention because they're living for fame and not for fear and we sit back and we go that's so sad isn't it preacher it's so sad because someone's teaching them to do that because are being taught by the people around them. just go to a restaurant this afternoon go to a restaurant, sit in a restaurant put your phone in the vehicle, don't even take your phone inside sit in a restaurant and look around at the tables look how many eyeballs you see looking around submit to you and if you can prove me wrong I'll send you the link to the men's retreat for free if, if you can prove me wrong I think that when you're sitting there the majority of the people both what they say chronologically superior yesterday both young and old they will be sitting there looking at their phone the adults are sitting looking at their phone. The kids are sitting looking at some type of a screen. And they're being programmed. They're being trained. They're being taught that that is what you do. Everything is coming from that screen. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that God has given us different directions. God has given us different instructions. He has called you and I not to live for fame, but to live in fear. To live in fear of God and to lead other people to know the fear of God. To live in the fear of God and to practice the fear of God. For how long, preacher? It says at the last of verse 24, forever. And that's what he's instructed us to do. It's to live in that fear, to practice that fear, and to lead others to fear God forever. And it's that remembrance that caused you and I to be successful because when the temptation of the world comes because when the allurements of this world comes because when the attrapments of this world comes you and I remember that God directs us that God acts for us and that God reigns so when those time comes we don't have to question we don't have to doubt we don't have to make a decision because we remember that we fear God Would you bow your heads with me